Hello and welcome to Citizen Kane Minute, the show that examines the greatest film of all time, five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I'm your host, Rob Kelly. Joining me to discuss minutes 60 to 65 of Citizen Kane is my pal, podcaster, and writer, Daniel Budnick. Hi, Dan. Hey, Rob, what's happening? Or, or, or as I like to call you, Boss Rob W. Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no cheap, crooked politician. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's some really fun moments in these five minutes that we're going to talk about. There, there are some, and to all the slum children out there, hey, thanks for tuning in. <laughs> it's always nicer that they can bother to tune in the podcast. Hit a podcast. They're you know. slum children. So, oh, my Lord. Uh, so, yes, as I said, we're going to be talking about minutes 60 to 65. They're going to start with Susan singing for Charlie in the parlor. And they're going to end with Susan greeting Charlie and Emily, which is, uh, that is not good. Uh, but uh, before we get to these minutes, Daniel, I have to ask you, uh, when did you first see Citizen Kane? At the, the first time I, I this, this was, I, I could have sworn it was in college, but that was actually the second time because the first time I saw it, I don't think I saw it well or good. I, I didn't see it great. It was, I was uh, about um, 13 or so maybe 14, circa 86, 87. And uh, I was really into movies. And uh, I was, every, every year I would get like the, uh, you know, those yearly, the annuals, like not just the Leonard Malton, but the Roger Ebert and sure, all the books sure. that were coming every year. And one of the, th- one of the movies that would come up, well, they would usually, sometimes they would have lists that would say the best movies of all time. And sometimes it was American. Sometimes it wasn't, you know, it would be, it would be a, you know, seven samurai and eight and a half and usually like the seventh seal and the American films that were usually at the top at that time. I've noticed now that one of these doesn't seem to be near the top and I don't know why. Uh, and the two at the top were usually Citizen Kane and the general. And so I began, so, so when I would, uh, we would go to the video store. I would, uh, I would mix like I would rent, say like, uh, like a good movie, uh, like uh, like a like a Hitchcock film. I was trying to get through, say, like the Hitchcock films and stuff, like the Thirty Nine Steps. I'd also rent like Blood Sucking Freaks at the same time. <laughs> so I had this different dichotomy that would happen when I would rent. And what we did then was we we had a v, we had a, a VHS player and a Beta, and we would record. We'd make copies of everything so we could watch them later. And I know that's terrible that we did that, but we just, um, you can't have a family night with 39 steps and blood sucking freaks. That just doesn't work. And so, and one day I remember renting, I was looking for Citizen Kane and the general. I did not find the general. I did not see the general until college. Um, but one day I remember, I believe it was, I rented Citizen Kane and Kentucky Fried Movie. <laughs> and... And I was allowed to rent Kentucky Fried Movie, even though it was rated R, because it was from the guys who got brought us Airplane. Right, right. And my mom was like, oh, that'll be a funny one. She had no idea. No idea. <laughs> no idea. And so I remember that night I made uh, copies of them. We returned the tapes the next day. and You helped was- kill the beta format, Daniel. I hope you're yeah. happy. <laughs> I think my, my mom still has one. Of um, because we had two, I think she what? still has one in the basement. Yeah, <laughs> um, and she uh, and 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 basically uh, over the next, it, what it was is I, I tried to the next day I tried to sit down and watch Citizen Kane because I'd heard it was so great and I wasn't interested in the uh, what it was about. You know, a rich guy who runs some newspaper. I, at thirteen or fourteen, I could have cared less. Right. Uh, but I heard it was good, so I wanted to watch it. And I remember I got about twenty minutes in. And all I could think of was that, 
when I was taping Kentucky Fried Movie, I saw the scene, I saw two scenes briefly when I was recording it. Catholic high school girls in trouble. And the scene where the guy's interviewing like the stunt man or something and the boom mic keeps lowering and hitting them in the head. And that I peed my pants practically watching that. And so I got 20 minutes into Citizen Kane approximately. And I said, I want to watch a Kentucky Fried movie. <laughs> so I put a Kentucky Fried movie. And then a few days later, I watched the rest of Citizen Kane, not the real right way to do it. And I could see, I could see when I was watching it that there was, there was something about it that was astounding. But at that, at that age, I could. It was one of those things, like like the first time I ever heard jazz, or the first time I watched like um, like Monty Python. Mm. You know, I, I first saw Monty Python was I was eight and nine, and I, I it, it had cartoons in it. That's what grabbed my attention. Oh, right, and your head explodes. It's so yes. crazy, yeah. And it's it's sort of, but but I also knew when I was watching it that um. I don't know if I said to myself when I was, you know, age 13 and I finished Citizen Kane, you know, I don't think I set the tape aside and said, Dan, in a few years, you'll return to that <laughs> and you will understand everything that happened there. I, I think I just set it aside and said, no, I'll watch it again later. <laughs> and it was college. It was a film, film course. Uh, and, it, and they showed Citizen Kane and most people there had never seen it. And I got to, has anyone seen this? I have. It's the, it's the movie with the microphone. It goes in the guys and it hits them in the head, right? No. And so I got to see it on the big screen with a lot of people and just, just fell in love with it. And um, it's, I, I, will say, I will say, and this could be blasphemy on this podcast, but soon after that I saw The General, and I actually prefer The General, but, but I love Citizen Kane. Okay. Well, hey, Buster Keaton. I mean, you can't. You yes. know, it's not a, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, but, but, but so, that, so that's basically it. I watched it wrong once before I could understand it. And then I watched it one, again when I was 19 or 20. And, and, and just watching it again the other day at the age of 80, I, uh, I really am. Um, I really, I, I, I like Movie, not you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, um, the, uh, the, the more I watch it, the more I like it. But I don't, it's not when I watch like, I'm trying to think of like, um, you know, like I'll do like, uh, no, that's kind of, I was going to say, I do like, like say like Jaws. I watch mm-hmm. Jaws every year, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis's Moonshine Mountain. I watch that every year. <laughs> Citizen, <laughs> Citizen Kane, probably every four or five years. Okay. Uh, well, all right. I was just about to ask you how often do you watch it? Because you, you watch so many movies. I'm always impressed with how much you take in that I always assume that you don't watch anything repeatedly because I'm like, how does he even have time to watch something a second time? <laughs> I, it's, it's, um, it's a movie I would watch more, except it's, it's what it's, it's like, it's like, um, the, my favorite Bergman films, like say like Win- winter light or, um, or, a well, a sh- shame. Uh, I love them. And I think, I think about winter light quite often because it's probably one of my top five favorite movies, but I, I only watch it like every three or four years. And when I do watch it, it's very much like I sit down, I relax and I just get caught up in the movie. And then when I'm you you, like with citizen game, I'm I'm satiated. I don't, I don't need to, you know, I don't need that hit like with moonshine mountain. I don't need to go back to it again. You know, a few months later, it just, yeah. Mentioning uh, within the same breath, Herschel Gordon Lewis and Ingmar Bergman is one of the reasons why I wanted you on this show. 
<laughs> well, aren't they all influenced by um, Citizen Kane? I mean, the only people that weren't were the people who made films before him. Exactly. Well, exactly. Buster Keaton. Exactly. Well, they're Buster so, Keaton. So there you yes. go. Yeah. Buster Keaton, one of the few people who could say, I wasn't influenced by Citizen Kane. I was, mo- I was mostly done by that point. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So um, now normally, this is where I would ask my guest, do you think it's the greatest film of all time? I'm not going to ask you that because I know that your answer to that is Stunt Rock. So I yes. already know that you're Damn not straight. Say- Damn straight. <laughs> but <laughs> do you, do, I mean, do you think it deserves, uh, let, let me not the greatest of all time, but do you think it deserves all the hosannas that it gets it, still to this day? I, I do. I, I do because um, it, it's, it, it, it's, it's slightly tricky when you watch it. If you've watched lots and lots of movies, it's, uh, I, I'm trying to think of a good example. It's almost like watching, like, if you sit someone down who's watched a hundred slasher films and they've never seen Halloween, you show them Halloween and they're going to go, yeah, so what? Seen all this. Yes. Completely. Yeah, seen all this. Yes. And the tree, it's almost like if you play someone who knows all their rock and roll, but have never heard the Beatles. And well, no, the Beatles might be slightly different because they did, they, but, but there are going to be, you know, well, that'll work. Maybe like the early Beatles. If you play someone early Beatles, they're going to go, so what? You know, she loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Why is this earth shattering? Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. exactly. You know, and, and hell, you might even get people who listen to early Bob, D- Dylan, uh, by the way, and like the, the acoustic stuff and go, who's this guy <laughs> just singing yeah. for, for hours, you know? And <laughs> I, I think the thing with Citizen Kane is that, um, if you if you love movies, I, it's pretty obvious very early on why this is great. I mean, like the um, you know when the snow globe hits the ground and you get the great shot through the glass of the maid or whoever rushing in. You know, you're like, okay, we're in a this is a very special place we're in. Yeah, because especially at the end of the 30s into the 40s, that was when the Hollywood system was getting really Dullsville, baby. Um, <laughs> that that was when like the the madcap. Uh, like, uh, you know, the, the Marx Brothers and your W.C. Fields and your Laurel and Hardy, they were all being, like, shackled by the – even Buster Keaton shackled by the, 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 the Hollywood systems. And so things were starting to become kind of – they would get kind of dull in Hollywood. They're, not that there weren't great movies, but they, they didn't – to me, the movies of the 40s and 50s don't have the verve of the movies of the 20s and 30s. Hmm. There's, some, there's something missing. Um, but Citizen Kane is one that stands out. And the, like the the story, like I said, the story of Citizen Kane is not. But then there are there are a lot of movies I I watch that I enjoy where the story doesn't interest me. It's the way the story's told. It's the way like like Bonnie and Clyde. I love Bonnie and Clyde, but I'm not particularly interested in Bonnie or Clyde. Right. But it's, right, the, right. it's it's the way the story is told. And there there are plenty of Altman films like that too, where um I can't think of one right now. Oh um like Thieves Like Us. I love thieves like us, but I could care less sort of about the people. Not, 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 that's not quite right, but you know, it's like, I watch it because it's such a beautiful sort of film. The, the actual characters in the story, if I had written that, that wouldn't have been what I'd done. And I think the thing with Citizen Kane is that um, it's, it's a good story on an absolutely brilliant film. And it's one, it's, it's, um, I don't know. It's a little tough to just, I've never said it out loud. Um, uh, but it's, it's, um, I, I think, I think the, um, the, the thing about it is the way the, the way the story is structured, um, the, the beautiful cinematography, just the way he does everything, like with every shot, there's, well, not quite, but every few shots, there's something like where you go, oh, or hey, or oh, <laughs> yeah. or what's he doing there? And that's, to me, that's, that's great. That's a great movie. 
you know, you're, you're constantly, even if I'm not 100%, I, you know, I don't particularly like Kane. I mean, I don't think you're supposed to really like him, but um, even if I don't like Kane and I'm not, I have a tough time getting caught up in his story. How can you not get caught up in the movie? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's because it's so, it's so constantly interesting and throwing new things at you and just developing and going here and going there. And it's just, it's, I, I wish I'd written down another great film that I love where I'm sure there's probably a Bergman one where um, I could really care less about the characters, but the way he, the way it's written, the way it's acted and the way it's shot elevates it. And cause if it had been like a crazy story, if it had been like a time travel story where Kane was <laughs> time travel, you know, that, that would have overwhelmed it. It has to be a story that's based in reality. It has to be a story maybe based in, actual reality and it has to the story can't be too overwhelming because we've got as much technical fun as we do story and i think i think it is it is it is worthy of being in the pantheon of right up there uh, right up there it may maybe not right at the top for me but right right near the top you can't if, if you show this to someone and they don't like it that's when you break up the friendship <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. The story is fairly traditional, but it's how it's told is what makes it yes. interesting. And mm-hmm. you're mentioning you're mentioning a Bonnie Clyde, Bonnie and Clyde makes me think of like we all like anyone who you know studies film from that period. Like right after Bonnie and Clyde, there was like a thousand movies about gangsters in the twenties. Yes, and yeah. you watch a bunch of them, and a lot of them are not very good. No, because it's told in a very boring way, and they all thought, yeah. no, 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 people want to see moonshine. Like, no, it's yeah. not moonshine. It's the inventive way Bonnie and Clyde yes. was told, which makes it interesting, not yes. that they're wearing straw boaters. Like, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's like, again, I, me- I mentioned Halloween. You know, it's right after Halloween came out, you immediately had, like, oh, in man. 1979, yeah. 1980, right, right up until, like, Friday the 13th sort of came out, and everyone was like, ooh, that's, that made almost as much money as Halloween. Let's do what that did, because we can't figure out what the heck John Carpenter did. <laughs> and so you, you get you, Why aren't you get our movies scary? I don't yes, exactly. You know, you get that weird space in like 1979, the first half of 1980, where there were like 15 films that are all aping different elements of Halloween, and all hoping, like you said, like with the Bonnie Clyde, all hoping we'll get it right. Oh, it's about the kids. Oh, it's about the police. Oh, it's about the gore. Oh, it's about this. Oh, it's about that. Friday the 13th happened to win the lottery. That's why slasher films look like that. Maybe another holiday will be scary. Maybe that. No, yes, no. that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Thanksgiving, sure. No. Arbor Day. Okay, Arbor great. Day. <laughs> I want to say there was one like originally called Arbor Day or something like that, but I could be wrong. But I'm sorry, that's uh, that's off topic. That's off. Topic. No, no. So, all right, fair enough, fair enough. That's a completely uh, fair way of looking at it. By the way, just before we get off this, you were just to agree with what you were talking about. Like when you see something that was trend setting, but you see it after it had set the trend. I had that with Casablanca. I didn't see Casablanca okay, yeah, until I yeah, was like 19 or 20, yeah. and then I watched it and I went, "Boy, this dialogue is awfully corny." I'm like, "Well, no." <laughs> It's every movie has borrowed from it since. Yes. This is the progenitor of all of yes. this kind of. And, when, and once I said, once that clicked into my brain, I went, "Oh, okay, now yes. I get it." You know, and now it, now the yeah. movie works for me the way the, it's supposed to. When I was a kid, the biggest film for that for me was Airplane because <laughs> I I saw Airplane two about a dozen times on HBO before I saw Airplane. And oh, half wow. the jokes in Airplane two are from Airplane. Yeah. <laughs> so when I actually watched Airplane, I was like, eh. This is okay. <laughs> I've seen half these. Where's William Shatner? You yeah, know, exactly. Why, why are we in Where's space? Shatner? You know, now, now I prefer airplane. You Where's know, but, but yes, exactly. So, but it, it's just one of those things. You know, it's it's it's. A, but yeah, there's there's something about the the trendsetters where 
you either you either watch them and like turn off and like oh, this isn't this is just kind of dull, or or you 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 take the extra step and you go oh, okay I could see and there's still stuff in in Citizen Kane that is like whoa stuff so so that's that helps absolutely so so we're going to get to some of that stuff in these in these five minutes so as i mentioned uh the five minutes opens with susan singing and playing piano for charlie at sort of a private concert now i don't know enough about you know music but mm-hmm. it's clear she's not a good piano player at the very she's least just, she's, she's kind just of hitting just, some notes yes banging dun, on the dun, thing dun. and you know as a singer i guess she's passable she's certainly not good enough to be a professional uh, that you can tell, but where Charlie is enraptured. And by the way, I love, we see one shot of her singing and then they fade into a different shot and she's still singing. She's done this really, she's not any better. She's mm-hmm. not gotten any better, but I noticed that she's and her outfit and the apartment is all of a sudden much nicer looking than it yes. was in the previous shot. So we already see that Charlie is festooning her with all sorts of nice yes. stuff and she's still giving him this private concert. And again, we, you know, we're, we know what's going to happen is that, it, this is not going to work out, but she's clearly not up to snuff. Yeah. It's that, 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 that sort of dissolve from the one shot to the other is, um, is it, it, it was like maybe the third or fourth time I saw this when I realized what was happening. I just, I, I, I thought, why did he dissolve from more or less? It's, it's uh, the wider, the second shot it dissolves was a wider shot. Um, but it's, uh, it's, I thought, why did he dissolve? It's like Manos, the hands of fate. Why does he, <laughs> He yes. dissolves from just one like image Manos, to the of fate. you know. It's like when they're driving, and all of a sudden it dissolves to the same shot. <laughs> and that's and the first few times I saw it, it it, it took me because because he's when when you see him in the first shot, he's sitting in just like a regular chair. Mm-hmm. But then the second one, he's sitting in one of those big like chairs with like a it's a Panama chair. I don't know what it's it's you know those big chairs you sit in like like in Hawaii and you have a big drink with like a umbrella in it i think sydney green street is sitting in a chair possibly like this in, yeah, in yes Casablanca. yes exactly and and it's it, it's weird because that that's that's just me being dumb because that did take me like three viewings before i realized that and the other thing is she's singing uh, do you know what she's singing because I, I i'm no i do not i did look it up it's from the barber of seville okay. and if you're if you're like me your knowledge of barber seville is the rabbit of seville yeah that's yeah <laughs> Um, and so this is called Una Voce Poco Fa, A Voice a Little While Ago. And it is uh, sung by, it's basically, there's a guy named uh, Account who calling, is calling himself Lindoro. And one of the words she says when she sings is Lindor, which is his name. Okay. And I guess Lin, Lindoro serenaded her and she saw him and fell in love with him. And the thing with Lindoro is he is, he is, um, he is a count, but he he's pretending he's just like he's like a random guy. He wants uh, her to fall in love with him, not his wealth. Oh, and so, oh okay. And, and so he's he serenades her, and this is her right after he serenades her singing the song. You know, I heard a voice a little while ago, and actually I have I brought up and the Aria database. Uh, <laughs> voices just echoed here into my heart. My heart is already wounded, and it was Lindoro who shot. Yes, Lindora will will be mine. Uh, I I'll swore it. I'll win. And um, and you notice that in the in the first shot, she's singing in English, and then she sings like Lindora, and then it dissolves to the next shot. And the next shot, suddenly she's singing in Italian, and she sings. Um, I'm not going to say it. Uh, she basically says, "I swore it. I'll win." 
is what she sings in Italian in the second shot. Wow. Okay. And, I, I never knew that. I, I, I always just sort of tuned it out of like, okay, she's just singing some <laughs> highfalutin thing that I, Charlie's entertained by. I forget. No, I don't know if that's, that's just like, that was one of Orson's favorite. Um, I don't know what his opera loves were. Um, but um, he probably wrote an opera when he was five. Or he something. probably, yeah, of course he did. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, but, but I do, when I actually looked up the song, I was like, okay, I kind of get that. Cause it's okay. All right. I get, I, I get what you're doing. It's one of those movies. It's great when you have a movie where you can, everything that happens, no matter how little it is, either is important to the film or nerds like us can make it important to the film. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes that's the important thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, speaking of transitions that I never noticed until just now uh, was, you know, we said after she's done singing, Charlie's clapping. And of course, he's the only person clapping. And later on, he will still be the only person clapping. (laughs) But there's a wonderful transition here. And again, I didn't notice it until I watched the movie again for the and then watched these five minutes again for this episode where Wells, of course, being the master of of radio, the master of audio, Mm -hmm. uses the clapping as a transition to yet another scene because it goes from Wells, it goes from Charlie clapping by himself to just one person clapping at a political rally hosted by Jed Leland for Kane running for governor. Mm -hmm. And we can see that, you know, the sort of humble beginnings of his campaign, because it looks like they're in like an alley somewhere and there's laundry (laughs) hanging right above Jed. Like there's like bloomers. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's like the French Revolution or something. They're going to get carted <laughs> away to the guillotine if they speak too loud. <laughs> Ratatouille, you know, yeah. it has that kind of feel to it. But I mean, it was I the ne- best of times. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I never noticed that that transition mm. that we go from one person clapping in the one context to a different per- different one person clapping mm. in another. Now, and of they're, course, sh- they're shushed. Did you see that? Yes. There's there's a guy who shushes the person who claps, which yep. is great. Yeah. And I mean, again, you see, and it's so Jed's for the moment, at least Jed is on board. Jed mm-hmm. is, is he's out there stumping for his friend. And again, it's a very humble beginning because you see that's it's, there's only a look about 20 people attending. And then obviously, and the, the laundry, again, I love the laundry just hanging yes. like four yeah. feet above Jed Leland's head. Yes. He's, he's getting dripped on or something. Like it's just <laughs> not, that's the alley Bruce Wayne's parents were killed. Like it's just a grim. Yes. It's, it's not, it's not fun. Yeah. It's <laughs> grim looking place. Yeah. Many, uh, many a sad romance between uh star cross lovers who yelled from window to window across the alley. Absolutely. Um, so then we get another transition, and now we're leading into one of the most famous scenes mm-hmm. from the movie. Certainly- uh, may, I, may, may, may I mention one more scene? Oh, of with, course. Scene of with the Jedi. Um, I, I love how it. Um, it's it's almost it almost is like a and and a, a filmmaker who was probably influenced by him too. A little a Dario Argento moment almost, where one of the things with our with Argento's films is that they will constantly like they kind of almost draw attention to the fact that, hey, you're watching a movie and look what mm. I'm doing. So mm-hmm. I would say there, there's a shot in the film Tenebrae where the camera is kind of going up the side of a, uh, an apartment building and looking into windows. And then yes, it like gets, I just gets saw the, Tenebrae, yes. And it gets, yes, to the, it gets to the top of the apartment building and like twists around and goes around. It's like, where are we going? What's going <laughs> on? And it's like you sit there and, you, and, and he, has, he has quite a few um, shots like that in his film where the films like opera has a bunch of that where you're just like, where are we going? What's happening? And I love that the camera's on the crane and it goes, and it's great too, because he, he could have just done it where, but this doesn't fit the film at all, where it's a long shot of the crowd and Jedediah. And then he could have cut to 
Jedediah. But instead, it's on a crane, and the camera floats above the heads of the guys. And then when it stops, Jedediah is framed wrong. He's, like, framed in the bottom half of the frame. Yes. And you're like, yeah. now, why did they do that? And then um, with the dialogue and the dissolve, Kane's huge face in the poster fills that spot in the center of the frame where you'd be looking. Yeah. And oh, that, yeah. That, to me, is very, very uh, cinematic, very movie-like. Uh, just there, we like you watch and you go, okay, we're tracking in on Jedediah. Why is he at the bottom of the floor? Oh, okay. <laughs> and I love stuff. I love stuff like that. Whether it's Argento or Wells or John Carpenter or any goofball like, filmmaker. I feel like Paul Thomas Anderson does a lot of that. Like he does a lot of. I think so. Yeah. He's just yeah. sort of in love with, which to me I find very charming. It's not a knock. Mm-hmm. It's very like the opening credits of Boogie Nights. I feel like is yes. It's him going, look, I'm making a movie, guys. You know, <laughs> you're just, just like, having fun. All right, I just, cool. Look, yeah. You know, it's the, like the opening of say like Argento's Deep Red, where you just see like random images, and then like someone getting stabbed, and a knife <laughs> hits the floor, and then this little kids, you see little kids' feet walk up into the foreground, then it fades out, and you're like, what's going? And it's just it's it's just this wonderful sort of just this love of uh, just well i mean look at the opening sequence of halloween you know it's just this love of of movies and what you can do mm-hmm. and and just having people sit there like, like with with that with the framing of jedi it's it's a bit of that like now why did he do that and then you see it and you're like oh zing you yep. got me yep. nice nice Right, so he pans up over he pans up over Jed, and then we then this then shot pans back down once we've seen this poster of of Kane, and he we see that uh, he's talking, and then then there's this big establishing shot yes. of him in front of this crowd, and you know this is one of the things that uh, you know really gives this film a sense of scope when it budget wise it didn't have it because the peop- the only real people in this shot are the people on stage, everybody in the crowd is just a matte painting with apparently some holes poked in it and then yeah. they would run lights underneath it to suggest movement mm-hmm. and you, you when you see that you're like god that's genius because it must have cost them nothing <laughs> yes. to do that to get a matte painting and then poke a couple of holes in it and just run a uh, a board underneath it and yet it gives you the idea that you know kane is going from uh you know a, a surrogate talking to 15 people in a filthy alley to now filling this giant yes. hall. Uh, and it's, and it's just amazing. Like, that's how fast this has ramped up. Yes. It, I mean, it's, I mean, and it is a huge, that establishing shot is, is huge. I mean, it's uh, I mean, obviously I thought of like Hitler rallies. I thought of like the, the um, David Lynch's Dune. There's a scene where, I forget his, who, what character is leading a bunch of people. And there's a huge room with all these people. It has kind of the, this, this huge epic feel. And it's great too, because you see it and, when, and, and your, your eye kind of, my, my eye kind of hits the front of the frame and then goes along all the way to the back where Kane is. And by that time, the shot's already gone. And so you see, and it is, it is like, it establishes in your mind, like, um, and you could kind of, I can kind of tell like, okay, I know that's not real, but, I'm convinced. It's like um, it's like if like you're watching a summer blockbuster and you get like a you know a shot a CGI shot of a landscape or a a huge space armada or something like that, and you know it's fake, but there's something about it that's just like I'm convinced, and you keep on going. (laughs) Right. So that that and it's just it's 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 such a lovely shot, and when you see how long the room is, it's just whoa, where is he? Yeah, my God, that's like whoa! It's like a huge bowling alley. It's just like oh my God! It's just this huge room. It's, it's fantastic and fake. Yeah, 
So, and then uh, there's a there's a brief moment with Kane's uh, wife and his son where she asks, "Is Daddy Governor yet?" He's not 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 yet, dear, <laughs> not yet. Uh, we're getting to it, and then he then we see Kane and he's sort of start, he talks about his opponent, Boss Jim Gettys, mm-hmm. and he's mocking the he's mocking him initially, sort of making fun of him, and he says, "You know, no one said I had a chance, but uh, you know, okay." And then, uh, you know, we see, uh, and everything is, you know, yeah, he's full of himself. He's got the giant gold K around his neck <laughs> on the ascot. I mean, clearly this is not somebody with a great sense of humor about himself. But then it turns sinister where he goes from talking about boss Jim Geddes to saying that once I'm elected, I will appoint a special prosecutor. Yes. And I thought, wow, we haven't really gotten that far from this, have we? I mean, <laughs> they might as well be chanting, lock him up at this point. Yes. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's really pretty sinister that he is not only going to defeat Boss Jim Geddes and make fun of him, but he's now saying, once I'm in power, I'm going to lock my political enemies up. Yes. Ah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it's, it's, it's the, 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 the the um the the way they shoot it with the camera above him tracking in and sometimes looking up at him tracking in and this this sort of still these still stoic men who could almost be like you know robots in Disney World or something are just mm-hmm. sitting behind looking at him and he's two of the things I love when he gives the speech is that um I I almost well a third thing I guess uh, to throw in there is he could almost be saying nothing he could almost be just saying oh god god Jim W. Gettys! And everyone would go, yeah! He could literally be just spouting gibberish, like great great dictator sort of gibberish. And and people would still be cheering it. It would still have the same uh, feel. But I, I like the fact that he... Um, he, I, I assume he was standing at the podium and I just made an ass out of everybody listening to this podcast. I apologize. <laughs> but I, was, I imagined that he was talking into a mic. But then there's one point where he comes out from behind it. Yep. And strolls, and he's as loud as you, and you think, you know, his voice is filling that hall. You yeah. know that there isn't some guy in the way, like in, like Rose ZZZ going, Mr. <laughs> K, could you speak up? We can't hear the back. Stay near the mic. Uh, and, and the other thing is, I love whenever he laughs at his own jokes, he reminds me of Bobby Bittman from SCTV, Eugene <laughs> Levy's character. He How does the, I am. when, yeah, whenever he, um, Whenever he laughs at one of his, he does the same smarmy face that Bobby does. And because I, I sat there watching it going, who does he remind me of? And I thought even Eugene Levy and SCTV were Citizen Kane. Everyone in, in, influenced everybody. But uh, yeah, but his, his speech is great. And he, um, I do love, he does those, he does those great, like really powerful rich guy jokes that aren't funny. Yeah, but everybody yes, everybody yes. laughs because you know it's like if you're poor, your jokes got to be funny. But if you're rich, who cares? We're laughing, and I'm that's kind of the kind of joke Jeff Bezos tells. And everybody, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. You, you can Jeff. see he'll come out. <laughs> you just kill say, me, man. Exactly, and he'll just say something that's not, you know, that probably doesn't even make sense. And people will laugh if he gives. There's probably a big laughter sign about. No, no. Well, it would be the biggest laughter sign. Don't you hate it, guys, when your retractable roof on your on your on your pool house doesn't work? And you know, like, oh come on, am I the only one that happens to? Come on. And you have to have the during a thunderstorm. You have to have your servants climbing around up there, pulling it in, and and making a human roof out of the people that you've put right come on right, yeah, exactly. and then i mean they don't have those the skimmers large enough to get people out if they get hit by lightning and fall in you gotta you gotta grab a net <laughs> he probably just he's probably got like a thing like um uh the 
is it Largo from Thunderball where he had a yeah. big swimming pool and he would just let sharks in? Yeah. You know, if it's yes. like, uh, this pool party's over. Ah! <laughs> Nobody here knows. Comes, here comes the lava. <laughs> Nobody <So>. knows. <laughs> Every time he has a pool party, no one leaves. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, I love the way that, that Orson Welles is sort of channeling uh, he's sort of, you know, changing this performance. I mean, of course he is. He's a good actor. But the way that, 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 that you know, Kane, as we see him from scene to scene, is getting further and further. Well, okay, let me take that back. The scene with Susan that we just talked about in yes. the previous episode, that's him at his most human. Because yes. uh, he's, you know, he's making kind of corny jokes and he's making shadow puppets, whatever. But he's, but he's human. But other than that, like every other scene where he's, he's just getting bigger and more detached and more of a blowhard. And you're like, wow, is this the same guy that yeah. wanted to run the newspaper and wanted to fight for the little man? This is where mm-hmm. we are. I mean, he's talking about in this speech, he's talking about fighting for the little man. But I don't think if, if you, it, you know, he's like, he's doing uh, populism and it's all yes. bullshit. It was bullshit yes. then, it's bullshit now, you know? Yes. And it's, and just the the way he does when, when he's with Susan, and it's, it could almost be a scene like if Cary Grant was doing that scene. Yeah. You know, and, you know, it could have been a romantic comedy. It could have become a screwball comedy, and then he throws us into the middle of this rally, yeah. uh, with this guy yelling and and just just being crazy and and people cheering and may, maybe no one can hear him, but when th- whenever they see him smile, oh, that's it, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> boss Jim Gettys, no, yeah, I'll do it. Jim, Jim I, w. I, I love just I love the way he says boss. He just keeps saying he keeps invocating that. Boss Jim Gettys, like Gettys. he just says it almost like Nixon. You know, he's got this yes. great yeah. You know, he's got that same kind of thing to it. And that, the other thing I want to mention is that after he's done talking, we do another cut to the another faraway shot of the rally. But this time we see uh, who what we will learn is Boss Jim Gettys himself. He's there at the rally. Yes, watching it, which is a baller move. Yes, of Boss yeah. Jim Gettys. I mean, <laughs> yes. I you know, wow, you know, to show up and. <laughs> And I love that, again, it's, it's another, it's a great special effect that is subtle. And then, of course, the left-hand side yes. is one piece of footage of, Kane, of, of mm-hmm. Wells and these other actors. And then there's this hard angle, which is clearly where that shot is being matted mm-hmm. into the second shot. But it yeah. makes you feel that this actor, who we'll talk about in a moment, is really 50 feet in the air watching this rally when yes. he isn't. This is two pieces of footage stitched together, but it's seamless. It's it's really beautiful and right right before you see him up there, there's a shot that uh, overhead shot that you feel like might be from someone's point of view, and then it slowly tracks in on Kane, and you think, okay, that was just them doing a tracking shot, but then you see that more or less where it started, you got Getty's way up there in the on the balcony or whatever. And I, I love that. I love that shot. I thought it might be, but then I, I don't know when this lens was created. I thought it might be like a split diopter shot, mm-hmm. but, um, but then because the center is sort of blackness, you can't see that weird um, out of focus thing that happens yeah, with the split yeah. diopter. Black and white so, does hide the, that yes, sin a little yes. bit. Yeah. So, and I, I actually looked up to find out once that lens was invented and all I got was, you know, Here's 15 shots from Blowout. You know, they used to split that. I thought they're all, and they're all great. But I, I wanted to know when, you know, this, <laughs> I wanted to know it, when. Was Brian De Palma. <laughs> yeah, for, for all I know, uh, for all I know, um, uh, Wells and Tolan invented it for the, for the movie. For, but, but yeah, that shot is fantastic. So yeah, it's really, it's, it's just great. Again, it's really gutsy of, of mm-hmm. Jim Gettys to, <laughs> to show I, I up at like... a rally where they're talking about putting him in jail. Like, wow, yeah. it's, 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 that's some confidence. 
Um, yeah, and I mean, I mean, and I, thank God you didn't have to give a name when you bought the ticket. Yeah, right. Yeah, you, you just walk in and be like, <laughs> "All right, let me, just, let me just have a look who's here." Yeah. Oh um, crap. <laughs> <laughs> so um, <laughs> oh, this is getting so off topic, and I mean it, but but I can't help it. One of the I, look when I watched Mystery Science Theater, I loved that show. I, I sure. when I discovered it, I roared. I just thought it was so funny. And one of the time, the, 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 the one of the loudest roars I ever got from that show was they did an episode. I don't even remember what it was, but the gist of it was uh, Dr. Forrester and TV's Frank. And TV's Frank had to relay, like, list off a bunch of names that sounded sort of countryish. I don't remember what oh, yeah. the context of it was. I think it was, was that when they started their country radio yeah, station? Yeah, the country radio station. Why, and more like, Winona. Right, right, right. And he's like, Winona. Ferlin Husky, and it's all these names. And then at one point he goes, "Boss Jim Gettys," and I was like, "Holy shit! I couldn't believe it that somebody yeah, was dropping yeah. in a Boss Jim Gettys reference yeah. on a show with robots." Like I just yes, was yeah. so. I was like, "I love you guys so much." Yeah. Um, now, uh, when he when Kane gets off the stage, he's surrounded by a ton of guys, and they're all they're literal like these fat cat guys with their top mm-hmm. hats and their you know their uh, their opera scarves and whatever. Um, and, and I wasn't able to determine who any of them are because none of them are really credited. The only one that I think I could pin down is the guy that talks to Kane when they come out, when he comes right off the, the stage immediately, because I was able to look at his um, Facebook profile. I think it's him. The guy to uh, our left who talks mm-hmm. to Kane about, uh, well, you know, he actually has some lines of dialogue, is a guy named Mitchell Ingraham. He passed mm-hmm. away in 1944, so he didn't have much oh. to go after this. But he was in movies like Pride of the Yankees. Great movie. Oh, nice, a Lady nice. Eve. Great oh, movie. Yeah. Um, and he was in a movie called Experiment Perilous, which I have oh. never seen, but I like to mention it because I love that name. Uh, what a good experiment. A Perilous. Name. Perilous. A great name for a movie. Wow. That's right <laughs> so, up there with uh, Shh, the octopus. Yeah. Oh, being a, a nothing classic. beats Shh, the octopus. Shh, the octopus. Yeah, oh, it's a bad. There's a minute by minute. In the middle of your title. There's a minute by minute waiting to happen oh, you right betcha. there. Yeah. The oh, octopus yeah. minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> minute. Excellent point. The octopus. <laughs> the, yes. Uh, so, <laughs> so Emily uh, comes up to, to Charlie and she says, uh, uh, he basically, she takes off with Adam and he's like, now, Emily, where are you going? And he looks a little upset. And then there's this close up between the two of them and a film that doesn't feature a whole ton of close ups, mm-hmm. but there's this close up here where she says, uh, I'm, I'm headed somewhere. And he's like, she's like, I'm not going to come with you. And he's like, why aren't you coming with me, Emily? And by the way, this scene here between the two of them is draped in darkness. I mean, they yes, are, it's, it's like Gordon Willis stepped in for yeah. a moment to shoot mm-hmm, this, mm-hmm. but you can see the big gold K on it, the way they lit it. You can see it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's, again, it's like, what kind of you know, arrogance they take, to put that on, <laughs> you know, whatever. But here's where Emily drops the bomb where she says where she headed and she's headed to this address mm-hmm. in, in, oh, in the city. And immediately when she reads it off this card, uh, we see and we cut back to Kane and his face just falls. And despite yeah. this, this scene being incredibly dark, we can still make out his face and he realizes, oh boy, the jig is yeah. up and uh, yeah. we're, he's in trouble now. Yeah, the I, I love the way that um, now uh, I, I want to say that I picked these five minutes because they're very circular in that we start off with the intimate moment at Susan's place, we go to this huge rally hmm. and then we end up back at Susan's place where everything mm-hmm. is quiet is sort of again. Uh, I, I, I just randomly pick these five minutes, I think. So, but I like <laughs> the fact that they're very, they're, 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 they're bookended uh, mm-hmm. in the boarding house mm-hmm. there, which are nice. And I love the way 
He um, now I will say who's my favorite person in the scene when they're getting the cab? The one guy with the flashbulb who's wrapped his body around one of the huge poles. I love that huge guy. Cup. He's climbed He's, up. Uh, yeah, yeah. I saw him. Say, is that Spider Man? Who is yeah. that? What the hell? And it's it's like, and I had to go back. I was like, oh, he's got the flashbulb. Okay, so he's he's standing above a photographer, um, waiting to get the. I love the way he goes from this huge scene with all these people, and then suddenly we're in the cab. Everybody's gone. Like there's, it's just the two of them. You even forget there's a a driver like six feet away. It's just the two of them, and it's it's shot kind of. You know your your standard. You know, lo- looking at looking at um, Charlie. Boom. Right. Looking over at Emily. Shoulder, shoulder, yeah. yeah, but 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 not um not not the sort of thing where it's like you know uh you know the cameras on Charlie and he's like where are you going? Then to Emily, I'm going here. Charlie, <laughs> what are you doing? No, it it does some like lingering on faces and that moment when she says to him like um you can come with me if you want and like the camera's on her for like five seconds as she's just staring at him mm-hmm. and it's like i bet he's never been stared at like that in his life because yeah. it's just like it's just and he's even when it cuts back to him he's like yeah i'll go and it's, it's almost like you could she just stared down charles foster Kane. And it, it's it's a it's a it's a really lovely scene because he takes it from this the, this huge room with all these things and gradually as you leave the room there aren't as many people there are fewer people and then we get to the cab and the world is now just these two people and it's now become something something that was so huge thirty seconds ago is now go, so small yep. and it's just about these two people and and um, a possible dalliance on Charlie's part that he probably shouldn't have done while he was running for governor. Didn't seem like the smartest move in the world. Yeah. Sort of a Gary Hart kind of thing where you're like, no, no, don't do that. Yeah. Come on, everybody follow me. You'll be bored. Uh, 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 So uh, (laughs) we get them and they show up at the door. And of course there's an even more (laughs) ominous scene where the maid knows who he is. (laughs) And uh, she says, hello, Mr. Kane. You're like, oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) You kind of see that. Because he's just, he's just done that thing. You know, that sort of classic husband, wife thing where it's like well you do come up with some crazy i I forget what he says but you know well you've got some you're prone to imagination aren't you (laughs) hello mr k it's like oh crap (laughs) it's great that actress is i believe uh dona dax which is an amazing name i think Mm -hmm. like a character on star trek uh she passed (laughs) away she passed away in 1995 she was in movies like topper the harvey girls the secret life of walter mini it's just her one scene here but i love Talk about the shooting daggers, because when the maid says, hello, Mr. Kane, uh, Emily looks right at Charlie, and oh, <laughs> that is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, 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 and again, it's this, this beautiful thing of the, um, you know, going from the, the, the absolute heights of, I'm going to run the world, to, I just got caught being a naughty boy. <laughs> He's bragging about putting his opponents in jail. Yeah, and uh, yeah. his wife is about to drop a bomb on him. He, he got is, zinged. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we said, and the five minutes ends right as uh, as uh, Susan comes out of her apartment, and she says, and the she, you know, she says Charlie, which of course even worse because Emily's now hearing it twice <laughs> from different people. Yes, um, yes. But but I wanted to make sure I mentioned the actor playing boss Jim Gettys. He doesn't get mm-hmm. a line. He'll talk a lot in the next episode, but I do want to mention because this is his. His, his first appearance, uh, Ray Collins, the great Ray Collins. Mm-hmm. Uh, he passed away in 1965. He had an amazing career, one of the great character actor careers of all time. Uh, he was in Orson Welles' Touch of Evil. 
Eve's in Orson Welles' The Magnificent Ambersons. He's in The Best Years of Our Lives, one of my oh, favorite wow. movies of all time. He plays Frederick mm-hmm. March's boss there. He's in a very small movie that hardly anybody has seen, which I love, called The Senator Was Indiscreet with um, William, William Powell. The uh, title I, is familiar, but I, yeah, I, re- I yeah. love that movie. And it's, impi- it's not on, it's, you can't find it anywhere. It was on VHS, mm-hmm. and that was mm-hmm. it. He was in uh, the movie The Heiress. <laughs> not sh- showing that not everything was uh, a list. He was in three Monpa Kettle movies, yeah, <laughs> which is fun. And then he ended his career as a regular on the Perry Mason show. And oh, wow. what's really interesting, I read this is that he uh, smoked very heavily, and mm, he had yeah. emphysema, and he would often miss episodes because he was so sick. And the people who produced Perry Mason kept him on the credits, and in fact, kept him on the credits. Until the show went off the air, even though he had not been on the show for several seasons, because wow. he could continue to get health insurance through the actors. Oh, that's nice. Okay. And I, you know, you're like, wow, you know, oh. good on you, Perry Mason. Yeah, producers. that's really nice. Yeah, that's a really wonderful thing. That to is do that for the guy. I mean, wow. That is. That's, that's that, so, I, 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 that that reminds me of like in the last couple seasons of Happy Days when Anson Williams is still listed in the main credits. But Potsy's barely in any of the episodes. Now I imagine they they probably forgot he was there in the credits. <laughs> but uh, but that's you know uh, that, that's that's sort of similar, but probably doesn't have as noble a noble a story behind it. <laughs> it's still, I think it's really it's really that's amazing. really sweet. Yeah, yeah. And and Ray Collins was part of the Mercury Theater, and again, just mm-hmm. what an amazing career to yeah. be able to say I was in Citizen Kane and Best Years of Our Lives. You're like, well, yeah, all right, you don't need anything yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, you win. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Good for you, Ray. So, I mean, so that's, but that's the end of the, the five minutes of where we're going to see what, uh, what exactly is happening here. So, I mean, yeah. it's, it is, it is, this features, you know, the, 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 the whole story is turning on this. Uh, but man, the, that sequence of him in the, the political hall is just yeah. every image of Citizen Kane that you see outside of the one of him standing on the yes. newspapers is him on the, 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 yeah. the, the, uh, the, the podium with a picture of himself, which I also love. I love that that, painting of him is not terribly flattering you got the double chin <laughs> like i think i, I would have t- paid for a second take on that thing yes because he doesn't he because when he's up there talking i was like looking for the double chin and occasionally when he does his laugh you'll yeah. see a bit of it but but it's he does I, I, yeah i would have gone like can we just not now i don't know does that make me look more more human do i look more common if i got a double chin why do i have I this know. ominous big black hat on maybe <laughs> yes, i should yes. maybe not look quite so yeah, maybe, maybe put rabbit ears coming out of it or something <laughs> i don't know can we get a little comedy in here <laughs> like I, it. so i i, I lo- oh i'm sorry no go ahead Oh, I was, I, I just had a, a couple more things. I love, I do love how lightning paced all of it is, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, cause when the minute, when the mi- minute begin it, when the minute begins, he's <laughs> just met Susan and he's, he's probably known her for 15 minutes. Yep. 30 seconds later, it's implied that, yeah, this has been going on for a while. Then suddenly he's winning an election. Then suddenly it's all about to crumble. Yeah. And it's yeah. all, it's all five minutes. I mean, that's yeah. crazy. I mean, Mark's brothers movies at their fastest are paced as quick. As that, like when at the end of Duck Soup, when they're fighting the war, and it's just ten minutes of war, war joke after war joke after. That's not paced as fast as this five minutes is. It's crazy. He's really demanding the audience keep up with him. You know, yes, which could be why, which could be why it was problematic because this was around (laughs) the time. This was around the time when they had to, when the studios really felt like they had to do that thing where, like, you know, if it's three days later, 
let's show a calendar <laughs> and let's show the days. Monday, from, you know, Tuesday, if Wednesday. It's, right, if it's, you know, like I'll see you in six hours, you know, you see a clock rewinding ahead. So, you know, this was the really time where they had no faith in, in like the public. And, and so to put as much faith in, in them as, as Orson did is, is maybe it was a little too much, but, but, uh, but it, we, we love it now, which is awesome. Right. Yeah. I mean, it feels, it, it said, no matter how many times you watch it, it I'm still, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm amazed that I can watch this movie that I, for the 95th time and I'm still catching new stuff. You know, I mean, yes. again, I didn't notice the transition with the clapping. I never noticed that before. I'm mm-hmm. like, Oh God, I've seen this movie 10,000 times. <laughs> how have I not noticed that? And yet I didn't, you know, and I didn't even really notice that the, the shot with Jed is oddly framed until you just mm-hmm. said it. And it was, mm-hmm. okay, it's mirroring what we're about to see yes. with Kane. And, and it's um uh to, to, I, I love the way uh when you see uh Jed sitting in watching the speech, his is the only face that's lit up. Oh man, that girl, all those faceless everyone, guys. Everyone oh. else is in shadows. And then when you see um Bernstein, mm. uh you see him, and that shot it's like it's like something from a Fellini film, <laughs> uh mixed with something from a, a David Cronenberg film, because the guy in the middle has in the center of his forehead yes. has this huge it's like he's it's like Kane is scanning him or something. <laughs> That's right. You know, this huge Giant thing. And, vein, just, yeah. and I was like, there's Fellini, there's Cronenberg, we got everything in this movie. <laughs> he really they he did manage to find whether it was Wells or his casting director or whoever whoever, but they really managed to find great looking old fat cat dudes. Those yes. guys all look genuine. I mean, of course, yes. that, those guys were a lot kind of easier to find back then. Not that we don't have <laughs> yes. them now, but yeah. nevertheless, it was just like the, the fact that he's on the stage too with like 15 guys and mm. they're all like in top hats and these black and with like uh, tails and like mm. spats. And you're like, who are all these guys? And there's a, oh, oh, yeah, Charlie. <laughs> they kind of remind me of like the guy sitting around Al Capone's table in the Untouchables. They're like, teamwork, yes. teamwork, yes. teamwork. Yes. The same kind of energy. It's an extraordinary five minutes. I mean, I say that every yes. episode, but it's really an extraordinary <laughs> five minutes. So it keeps happening. It keeps happening. Yeah. So, well, Dan, yeah. thank you for, for coming on. I oh, enjoy yeah. talking to you, not just for the references that you drop, because in the course of, uh, this time we've been talking, you've mentioned Bergman, Herschel Gordon Lewis, uh, David Cronenberg, uh, Manos, The Hands of Fate. Yes. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's, it's all yeah. over the place. But I really enjoy getting a, a, a window into how your brain works. Oh. <laughs> well, we haven't talked. The last time we talked was when we talked about In Search Of. Yeah. And that was a long time ago. And that was a fun chat. That really was a fun chat. If you haven't gone back, if, if those of you have not heard that, go to the FW presents uh, field on our website, findwaterpodcast.com and just do insert in the search bar, search uh, type in search of, and you'll hear the tribute to that great Leonard Nimoy show that Dan and I did, which was an extraordinarily fun time. Yeah. It was like, it's a hundred minutes of uh, just silliness. It was a lot of DB Cooper jokes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And Anastasia, Anastasia, she gets put put through the ringer. So, so again, thank you so much for coming on, oh, man. Course, I always appreciate talking to you. So why don't you tell people where they can find you out on the internet? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I do a bunch of podcasts and I write some things and I'll say them quickly. Um, eventually supertrain.blogspot.com. Go on there. I have a short lived TV show called eventually super train and we cover three short lived TV shows, one episode at a time. So right now we're covering, and I have guest hosts joining me. So, um, we're covering search the early seventies, Leslie Stevens spy show, uh, Planet of the apes, the live action and Kolchak. Uh, we just started doing Kolchak. 
And um, I also do a podcast covering Happy Days, uh, rocking all week with you. And we're halfway. I'm halfway through season five. Each episode covers two episodes. I also do a lot of minute by minutes. I've done maybe six of them now. I think. And um, I did one last year um, where I took, I stole the format from you and Chris for when you were doing Superman and, and this one too, although this one wasn't around yet doing uh, I did one called pieces and pieces co- <laughs> covering JP Simon's slasher film pieces. And what I did was instead of going minute by minute, I went sort of sequence by sequence, uh, which was a lot of fun because then I didn't have to like cut a sequence in half, you know, if someone was being cut in half. I, I didn't have to, I could cover the whole scene, cover the whole thing. And right now I'm doing three of them at once. Um, <laughs> simply because, simply because when I started doing these, they were, I, I told everyone pick one and I'll do that. And everyone who's sent in an email or a message has said, I love all three of them. I thought that doesn't <laughs> help. Now I can go by listener numbers. Um, but I'm, I'm still doing all three and I'm around episode 16 and there are three of them. It's howling two and seven, two. I'm covering Howling 2, Your Sister is a Werewolf, and Howling New Moon Rising, which is Howling 7, which is my possibly my favorite. If you haven't seen it, you're in for a treat. 70s Friends of Frankenstein covering Blackenstein and Frankenstein 80. Uh, that's American and Italian good times. And then the third one is A Spooky Minute Spent in a Ghost House, where I'm covering Spookies and Ghost House. And uh, so those three are kind of all going right now. And I put out three new episodes every week and a half or so. And I'm also on the made for TV mayhem show with the great Amanda Reyes and Nate Johnson. We haven't had an episode out in a couple months cause we've been all kind of busy, but we have an episode that Amanda is working on and hopefully will be out soon. And my new book, my fourth book uh, from Beverly Hills to Hooterville, uh, exploring the Henning verse 1962 to 1971 should be out uh, sometime in August. Oh, very exciting. And so so we're on the last, 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 last moments uh, putting that together. And hopefully, fingers crossed, that'll be out soon. But that's kind of all the junk I got going on. Look, you know, just, uh, yeah, I'm there. Just look for me. That's a lot of stuff, Dan. I I, I, always, I knew we had to give a certain amount of space at the end of the yeah, show to get through all your yeah, stuff. Yeah, I should it, just. You, you make me feel like a piker. How much stuff that you put out. <laughs> I, I, mean, I should have recorded that ahead of time and just sent you the file. <laughs> so, you can just drop it in. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, again, thank you so much, Dan. You yes, know, of I course. enjoy it. Great. Every time that we do something together, I love it. And then like two years passes. <laughs> yes. And then I'm like, why did I let two years go by before we, <laughs> well, you know, why did we do that? So yeah. uh, again, thank, thank you so much. And everybody of check course. out those shows. Dan, Dan is a total delight to listen to. And, Definitely. um, I've said, I've guessed it on some of his shows and it was always a complete, uh, complete blast. So, uh, of course, uh, if we're always talking citizen Kane over on Twitter at CK minute, you can find all the back episodes of this show on our website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to citizen Kane minute on any podcatcher of your choice. And then finally, you have to, you have to, uh, thank the Patreon supporters for the show over on at uh, patreon.com slash FW podcast. So big thanks to slick whoever he slash she is for their support of Citizen Game Minute. I very much appreciate it. <laughs> thanks, so, Lick. Thanks, Lick. So uh, that's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, listening. Come back next week for more Citizen Kane Minute. What's the real truth about Charles Foster Kane? I wish you'd come to this theater when Citizen Kane plays here and decide for yourself. <laughs>